Good morning, everybody. My name's Claire, and I'm the minister here again. Thank you. It's really lovely to be back. I managed to suss out the email, and uh, I've been back two weeks, and it really is a joy, um, and I'm not that old. Thank you, Andrew. We're going to uh, think today about a passage which I absolutely love. And we haven't got PowerPoints, we haven't got the screen ability, so you guys are going to have to come with ears to listen. You might need a pen to write things down that God says, and you're definitely going to need your Bibles open. So it was 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, My page number will not help you. Why don't we just stop for a moment and pray and uh, ask God to give us focus and to help us hear what he has to say to us today. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, as we come to your word, knowing that it is alive. We ask that you speak clearly to us today. May we hear your voice. May we know your ways. And may we leave knowing that the victory belongs to you. Speak to us, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start our talk today with a video, um, which is obviously not going to happen. So I'm going to need your ears to listen, because we're going to listen to the dialogue from that video uh, together. Uh, Because it's so, so brilliant, I just couldn't not uh, play it to you. And some of you may have already seen this video. I put it on all social media sites this morning to try and get some attention to it. Uh, But it's a video by Justin Welby, the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, um, who has, in the last few weeks, uh, tried to motivate uh, the churches around this country with a call to prayer uh, during the Pentecost week. I'm not going to say anything more uh, right now because he says it's so much nicer than me and in such a nice accent. So we're going to hear, hopefully, the words of Justin and his call to prayer to us as a nation. Let's try and listen together. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's impossible to overstate, to exaggerate the life-transforming power of the Lord's Prayer. It's a prayer that's reassuring enough to be on the lips of the dying and yet dangerous enough to be banned in cinemas. It's famous enough to be spoken each day by billions in thousands of languages. And yet it's intimate enough to draw us ever closer into friendship with Jesus Christ. It's simple enough to be memorized by small children and yet profound enough to sustain a whole lifetime of prayer. When we pray this prayer, committed to Jesus Christ, there is no exaggerating, there's no imagining the new ways in which God can use us to his glory. As Christians, there's nothing more important than our relationship with Jesus Christ. When that flourishes, it overflows into the world around us, to our friends, to our family, to those we work with, to everyone we know. And when the church is full of the presence of Christ, we overflow and transform society in the most beautiful and wonderful way. That overflowing starts with our prayer lives, individually and together as we pray 
and meet with Christ in prayer. That's why this Pentecost, the Archbishop of York and I, are asking churches right across England to pray for a renewal of their expectancy and the abundance and the overflowing of Christ in their lives together so that people right across the country see who Jesus is and are drawn to faith in him. There are three ways in which we are asking people to pray. First, that all Christians find new life in their relationship with Jesus Christ. The joy that Christ brings us, the comfort in sorrow, the abundance of joy at good times should be renewed in every Christian in their own personal faith and discipleship. So that's the first thing to pray for. The second thing to pray for is that all those you meet and you're close to, your friends, family, colleagues, even those who you bump into and get into some conversation with, that they might see something of Jesus that draws them towards faith in him, towards learning what his love is for themselves so that their own lives are transformed. Thirdly, may we pray for the church that it is so full of the life and joy of Christ that it overflows with the reality of the presence of Jesus uh, together and wherever it reaches out to, that that overflowing is seen in service and love and compassion, working with the poor, serving each person they come across wherever they are in every community in England. We're calling this week of prayer, Thy Kingdom Come, and it will run from the 8th to the 15th of May this year. You'll recognize the words come from the Lord's Prayer, where we pray for the reign and rule of Christ in every heart and every community, that they may find the joy of Jesus Christ. Please don't all become Anglicans and rush down the road. We'd love you to stay Baptist, but isn't that an amazing call to prayer? Over my years of being a Christian, I've heard a number of these calls. Uh, I remember marching through Bath, uh, aged, I don't know, singing Shine Jesus Shine um, through the, the streets with my mum and dad. I remember gathering at Wembley and praying passionately uh, with some of you for our nation to be changed. Over the years, there have been a number of calls to prayer. And here is another one for us. I'm going to think in a moment about the specifics of of that and how we can be involved. But but let's stop for a moment and think about that, that reading we had. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Let's head there right now. Some background. Jehoshaphat is king and is one of the good ones. If you've read Chronicles recently, you realize that there are a few good ones and the rest are a bit dodgy. It says in uh, chapter 17, verse 3, that the Lord was with him because in his early years he walked in the ways of David. So Jehoshaphat, he's one of the good guys. When I say his name correctly, you may cheer. Jehoshaphat. Well, um, if I say it wrong, cheer quietly. Um, But again, as happened again and again with the people of Judah, there is a large army about to face them. Defeat is definitely on the cards. And what's even more annoying is this is an army that's facing them that Israel have shown massive grace to. So after they crossed the Red Sea, God said, don't go attack the Moabites, don't go attack the Amorites, because they will be peaceful. And so they left them in peace. And then as it says in this passage, 
they repaid God's grace by turning and fighting God's people. More of that later. So we enter this story and the uh, army is huge in front of them. Jehoshaphat, oh, thank you, that side. <laughs> Jehoshaphat manages to, uh, to stop and say, okay, big army, what do I do? I wonder what you would do. I'd go, right, where's the bigger army? Uh, how do I motivate them before tomorrow morning? Have they eaten? Have they got their swords ready? No, Jehoshaphat stops and he says, let's ask God. Let's ask God. So here we go. We enter in at verse 3. Um, they're alarmed, but Jehoshaphat resolves to inquire of the Lord. The people of Judah came together to seek God's help. Indeed, they came from every town, every area. Jehoshaphat's immediate response when faced with this army was to come before God. And we see that again and again through scripture, don't we? We could name so many stories from uh, Esther motivating the people, uh, the Jewish people to pray through to uh, one of my favorite stories in Acts where the people of God come together to pray for Peter's release and then he turns up on the doorstep and they don't believe it's him so they shut the door again. Brilliant story. But the people of God were called together to pray. When faced with the armies, it's the first thing they did. Why did they do that? And what does it say to us today? When the armies are big around us personally, or as a nation, or as a church, it's really important for us to call to pray. I've got three things, if you're making notes, three things uh, that we could think about today. There were about 900 things I could have said, but time is short and you'll be relieved I'm not doing 900. Number one, calling us together to pray shows who we really rely upon. We've sung of that this morning in such a powerful way. The instant response we should have when faced with an army, however big or small, is to say, God, you are sovereign. I may not understand your ways, but I know your ways are higher than my ways. It's to say, only God, you know it all, and little me, I don't. I may not understand, I may not get all the intricacies of this moment, but God, you are sovereign. It's been a real challenge to me, this thought this week, because here we see immediately that Jehoshaphat calls the people of God together to wait on him. They fast and they pray. I wonder who immediately you call to you when you start praying? Who are the people that you gather around and say, I need your help here, guys. We need to pray about this army that's facing us. Who are those people? And do you encourage them to say, okay, first and foremost, we might not get this. We may not understand the situation, but God's still sovereign. Who are the people you call together to pray? And how do you say together, God is still sovereign. The army may be big, but God's got this. The second reason uh, it's really important to bring people together to pray and to make that our first thing to do is it helps us put aside our own agendas and to concentrate on God's agenda. If you look at verse 4, it says that the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. 
Do you think every town in Judah had the same idea on how to defeat the army? I doubt it. I suspect one group thought that they should go round the back and attack them at night. Another group thought that maybe they should, you know, head on straight in. I'm sure they all had very different views. Maybe one group was like, we're not going to war. Can you imagine what would have happened? And Jehoshaphat says, no, put down your agendas and wait on God. His wisdom, not earthly wisdom. If only we could do that more. I could say more. But we struggle with that, don't we? That's why we put God's sovereign first, laying our own agendas down. So that thirdly, the praying together, the bringing people together and putting God first challenges us that it's not just about me, it's about us. We live in a world, and I see this this phrase panted around a lot, the I age where it's all about I, individualism. Our culture today is a lot more about me and way less about us. And in fact, I found myself battling a little bit with this as I was writing my talk. You know, what God, God, what are are we wanting people to take away so they can apply it to their own lives? Maybe today God is saying to us as a people of God something that we have to together apply. Coming together as the people of God to pray challenges the individualism of our world and says, actually, God, you're first. We're putting our agendas down and together we're seeking your way. That prayer that we heard Justin just bring to us begins with the words, my father? No, our father. It's a prayer of community, not a prayer of individualism. Our Father, together we're coming before you in prayer and calling out for you on behalf of others or even ourselves. There are three things I've mentioned about the joy of coming together or the posture, perhaps we would say, of coming together, first of all, to pray together with others for things of this world. But let's have a quick look at this this prayer that Jehoshaphat leads people in. What does he actually say we should pray? What what can we learn about our own prayer lives and our collective prayer lives uh, from this passage? Uh, So we're looking at verse 6 through to 12, an amazing prayer of God. And uh, let's think of the headings. So number one, uh, in verse six, we read that they're proclaiming that God is sovereign over them. Verse six, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven, who rules over all kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hands. No one can stand against you. At the beginning of this prayer, he's saying, right, people of God, remember who's sovereign. And then he goes on in certainty, number two, to say that there are promises of God that will come to pass. We might not see them because we just see big army, but there are promises that are coming to pass. Look in verse seven. Oh God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of the land before the people of Israel and give it to us forever? The promise of God was that Israel would have land forever. Now, they didn't understand what that really meant. They thought that was physical land. God was talking way more about his kingdom there than they knew. 
But he's saying here, your promises, even though we don't see them sometimes, will last forever because God is sovereign. Look at verse 9. This prayer talks about faith and not fear. If you were stood before a really large army now, faith or fear? Faith, brilliant. I like this side. They're really active today. It's brilliant. Faith. That's what he's saying here in verse 9. If calamity comes upon us, love that word too, calamity, we will stand in your presence and we will cry out to you in distress. It's not saying that actually the army isn't small or that there is not something to be afraid of. But in this prayer, it's saying, speak truth rather than your fear. And the the truth is that God is with them. At the end of the prayer, after uh, uh, Jehoshaphat's told God how it is, like he can't see, you know, God, there's a really big army, please help me. Uh, We see that... um, They speak a prayer of commitment about how, God, we belong to you. Our eyes are upon you and you alone. We're not looking at the army. We're looking at God. Let's stop and linger on these thoughts just for a minute. If we look around our world today, there are a number of armies that we face. I think the junior doctors at the moment are seeing an army of a contract that doesn't seem workable. This week, in Parliament, they didn't agree to let 3,000 refugee unaccompanied children into here. Some people see that as an army, and the whole refugee crisis and the causes of that could be seen as a large army against us. Perhaps slavery, unforced labour, that could be seen as an army uh, traipsing through our nations. Drug and alcohol abuse could be seen as an army that's trying to take hold of people. There are massive armies in our world today. And individually, some of us face huge armies, don't we? Ill health, family trouble, whatever it it might be, there are some big armies in some of our lives today. How can we pray? We need to look at prayers like this in Scripture. And even sometimes, through the tears, just repeat them. God, you are sovereign. God, I trust that your promises are true. God, I speak truth rather than fear. And I'm committed to your ways. What I love here is in verse 13... All of the people of Judah, with their wives, children, and little ones, stood before the Lord. You see, there's a a really important pattern in Scripture about teaching other people as we pray. So they could have stopped the children coming and praying, but they chose not to, because they were raising a generation that relied on God and saw him as sovereign. Together, as family, they, they prayed. Even though the army was big, together... They prayed as family. There is a a lot more we can say about this passage, but just have a quick look 
at what God says back. And I think some of us need to hear this for our own lives today. And some of us perhaps need to proclaim this on the behalf of of, of some of the armies we see in, in our nation today. This passage is amazing. The Lord says to you, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours. It's God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. Here's some detail. They'll be coming down from the pass of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge. You will not have to fight this battle, but take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord has for you. (laughs) O Jerusalem and Judah, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. And the Lord will be with you. However big your personal army seems today, the Lord is with you. If you hear nothing else this morning, take those words. And the Lord is only asking you to stand and pray because the battle belongs to God. What about the nations, the armies we see in there? How does this apply to that? I think it's the same. There are things each and every one of us should be doing, absolutely. But first and foremost, we have to remember that the battle belongs to God. It's already been won on the cross and that one day every tear will be wiped away. We're in that middle ground Victory won on the cross, kingdom coming in full, we're in the middle. And so the armies seem big, but the victory is coming. One day those tears will be wiped away. And until that point, you and me, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's gather together in our small groups. Let's gather together in our missional communities. Let's gather together as a church. Let's gather together across the town. Let's gather together across our nation like Justin Welby is asking of us. And let us pray. The battle belongs to you, O sovereign Lord, for we're going to pray until that day that you come back again. There are a few specifics we'd like to bring to you about the the, the prayer week that we're inviting you guys to be part of. Uh, We're going to pray next Sunday morning for our nation and some of these armies I've talked about. We're going to do that together uh, in church. But there are some other opportunities throughout the week that we would love you guys to uh, be part of. And Simon is going to come after, he might not come after all those names I made him read. Um, He's going to come because he's been heading this up for us on a slightly larger scale with um, Heart for Ipswich. And uh, he's going to share one of the initiatives that uh, we're being asked to bring to prayer. So Simon, why don't you come and share with us? Well, the battle belongs to the Lord, and uh, sometimes there is a call that goes out, and we need to join that call and join in the response to that call. God wants us to be passionate and loving people, caring deeply for the things of God. We are here to continue the actions of Jesus in the world. Uh, We are his hands and feet, so to speak. 
to go throughout the whole world and proclaim the good news about Jesus. And in the week up to Pentecost this year, we've been asked to pray, as Claire was saying, in an out-of-the-ordinary way, an extraordinary way for the evangelization of our nation. This call has originated in the Anglican Church, but it is being heard and responded to by many different groups of Christians. We dare to respond. We dare to believe that God loves to answer prayer. To pray is for everyone. We are actually God's army. Look at the person next to you. Jane, you're excluded because you haven't got anyone next to you. <laughs> Look at the person next to you. Look at this lady here. Uh, and say to them, you are God's army. <laughs> you are God's chosen people. We are asking you to think of five friends or family that don't know Jesus and to pray for them daily in the run-up to Pentecost. There's no harm in you starting now. Uh, to name them before God and ask him to intervene supernaturally, to cover them in grace so that they can experience the love of Jesus Christ in their life, so that they can experience change. Now, we were going to show you a video. So let me tell you about D.L. Moody. During his life, he made a list of 100 people that he asked to bring to Christ. By the day of his funeral, 96 had already come to be believers. At his funeral, the final four converted to Christ. And that, that is, God hears our prayers just as much as D.L. Moody's. We might think we're nobody, but that is a delusion. God finds each of you very important. So our prayers are just as important as D.L. Moody's. We're only asking to pray for five people each. <laughs> if you feel you want to exceed that, then go right ahead. So... Um, we need to find ways to remember to pray. So one of the suggestions is uh, you can order a fancy piece of leather on the website or you can get a string <laughs> and do five knots in it, one knot for each person, and you can remember five names easily enough. And then you can put that in either your Bible or your wallet, whichever you go to most often, Sorry, sorry about that. And, and then it will remind you to pray for your five people. And make sure you do it often. And um, it can be family members that, you know, like, I mean, I know there are people in this church who've got family members they've been praying for for, for ages. Um, and it can be your family members or it can be friends that you've been traveling with for a while and been talking to and you're just waiting for the final sort of decision to be made, really, that Jesus is their saviour. God hears the cry of the... Sorry, the other way of remembering is to set your Android phone or your iPhone to uh, um, 
go off at various intervals and just show the names of the people you're praying for. God hears the cry of the poor. He hears our prayers just as much as anyone else's. Here in Burlington, we've seen God respond to so many prayers over the years. Uh, We know it is in the Father's heart to hear this sort of prayer. We believe. Help us, Jesus, to overcome our unbelief. Please join with us and start naming and praying for your five friends. And during the week commencing the 9th of May, the churches in Ipswich are going to give you daily opportunities to join with other Christians to pray for this. Um, There's definitely something happening on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday this week. Burlington is hosting um, a prayer gathering here on the Tuesday. There will be a special email going around giving you details of what's happening when and do join in at least one of those opportunities. Blessings to you in Jesus' name. D.L. Moody, even inspiring people to come to know Christ in their funeral. Wow. Five friends that you could pray for in the week leading up to Pentecost. I have five friends at least facing personal armies. And I'm believing that the battle and the salvation belongs to God, but I'm going to pray my socks off until they come to know how much God loves them. And it's great to have calls to prayer, such as the one that we've been given today, that, that helps us focus to pray, to pray that others come to know Jesus and that the Church of Christ, which is his third point to pray for, may be a shining light in this nation. What happens at the end of the story? Simon didn't read it because I cheekily didn't ask him and I wanted to say it. But Simon ended the passage in verse 21 where uh, the people of God have stood firm in the place that God asked them to. Jehoshaphat's asked a few people to sing. He obviously wasn't a great singer himself, so he got everyone else involved. And they're singing, and it says, As they began to sing and pray, the Lord set ambush against the people of Ammon and Moab, and they were defeated. We need to pray We need to do what God asks. We need to know he's sovereign. And we need to watch the victories come and celebrate those by saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Simon read to us just one more reading. Uh, I could have chosen many, actually, uh, from the writings of Paul because he passionately prayed for uh, his nation and for the people of his nation and for further afield than that. But we had 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 4 read to us. And I just want to finish by putting it uh, in the message paraphrase. This, I think, is the word of God for us all today. The first thing I want you to do is pray Pray every way you know how, for everyone you know. Pray especially for rulers and their governments to rule well, so we can be quietly about our business of living simply. This is the way our God, the Saviour, wants us to live. 
He wants not only us, but everyone to be saved. Everyone to get to know the truth that you've learnt. That there's one God and only one. One priest mediator between God and us. His name is Jesus. He wants them to know that Jesus offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive by sin. To set everyone free. The news is going to get out. This and this only has been my appointed work. Getting the news to those who have never heard of God. And explaining how it works by simple faith and plain truth. The first thing I want you to do in whatever way you know is to pray. Let's be silent for a moment. And just ask God's spirit to rest on us and speak to us from today. Father God, there's no denying the armies are there. Our own armies that we see in our own lives, in our friends' lives. The armies that this town faces. The armies that our country faces. And most of the time they're not physical, but they're unseen. (coughs) For we don't pray in fear. We name the armies before you, but we know you are sovereign. We name the armies before you, but we know the battle belongs to God. We name the armies before you, but we're trusting you, O Lord, for your promises are true.